Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We bless your name, Jesus. We magnify you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here safely this morning. And Father, we just ask you to open our hearts right now as we deliberately open our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. And you would give us courage and boldness to do what you ask us to do. Father, let the words that come through my mouth be from you, Lord God. Father, let your word go forth and accomplish what it's been sent to do and not return void. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Would you like to take your seats? So I've got a bag of goodies. You're probably wondering what's in there. And if I don't take too much time, you'll get to see it. So for most of you who don't know me, my name is Gigi. The sad thing about once you've seen it written is that you're going to want to say Gigi or Gigi, but it's actually slurred and it's got that same sound as leisure or pleasure. So it's actually Gigi. So, but you know what? I'll answer to anything if I can recognise it. So this morning, happy Mother's Day to those who are mums in any aspect of what we call motherhood. So what I want to talk about this morning is about the power of forgiveness, and I'll get to that in a moment. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brad spoke about belonging, flourishing in community, and being connected to community. And last week, Serena, in uh, her um, communion message, spoke a bit about family, and Paul Morrison spoke about peace. And if you put those two together, peace and family, we've got it all sewn up, right? Sadly, (laughs) that's not always the way. Now, an article in the Daily Mail in 2012, so this is really peer-reviewed research, obviously, but just come with me for a bit of playfulness. The article said that on Christmas Day, when you've got a family gathering together, the first fight is likely to occur at 10.13am. Didn't say what time the family gathering started, but anyway. Followed by the second one, at 12.42 p.m. And then at 3 p.m. And then at 7. And the last one, sorry, 7.25. And then the last one at 10.15. <laughs> Sounds pretty gruesome, doesn't it? But, you know, we know that when family gets together, it's, it's great to be together. And then because we're family and we all know each other and we all love each other, we let things hang out a bit. And sometimes our filter comes off and we say what we've really been thinking, um, those ungodly ways and those ungodly things, and then fights break out. Uh, But, you know, sometimes you might think that the best way to avoid those fights is just to isolate. Now, some of you have been in ISO and you know what that's like. And some of you have been ISO with your family, (laughs) you know what that's like. (laughs) So, um, but let me show you a slide of someone who tried isolation. Didn't really work for him. Because this is who his best friend turned out to be. Not always good. (laughs) But clearly... We are meant to be interconnected. And if I could have the next slide. 
It's a little bit foggy, so it's obviously a, a misty, misty autumn morning there too. And I wanted to have this slide to show you that no man or no woman is an island. And there's a poem by John Donne, and I just read a little bit and it says, and it's not on the slide, no man, woman, is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Now, in the Bible, we, we know the passage of Scripture that talks about, you know, the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you, and the foot and the ear and all of that. We know all of this. We know that we can't live a life that is void of connections and relationships. Tom Hanks tried it. He ended up with a basketball, sorry, a soccer ball, volleyball for a friend. Now, one of the things that absolutely blew me away when I gave my heart to Christ, and next month, it's 45 years since I gave my heart to Jesus. Yeah, I was clearly a very little girl, very, very young. It, not nice when you've got your family sitting there heckling. Now, um, my family of origin was a little bit complex, and we've all got stuff, haven't we? You know, we've all got stuff that we carry. Mine was a little bit um, interesting, and perhaps on another opportunity, I might share a little bit about that. Um, and it's not about how hard it was, but it's about the power of Jesus to change your life. And so when I became a Christian, I found that I had a brand new family, the family of God. Now we say that and we think, mm, yeah, 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 but you know, even the family of God, you know, you've got your, <laughs> your oddballs, none of those are here. No oddballs here. But you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> rubbing shoulders with people, it's that whole iron sharpening iron thing happening and you know sometimes you think oh, I don't fit or whatever but the family of God is not like that. The family of God loves unconditionally and what overwhelmed me was the acceptance by people who'd been Christians who didn't know me and I was pretty rough around the edges and yet they loved me unconditionally. And I can go back and I can name names of people and the dumb things I did and said. And they didn't even bat an eyelid because they knew that God was on the move and God was, well, A, he'd rescued me, taken me out of the mire and put me on solid ground and, and washed me by Jesus' blood and made me whole and clean. There was that. But then there's that also that growing discipleship journey that, you know what, God's got it. Holy Spirit's going to be working in people's lives. And if you have an issue with someone, pray for them. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just keep praying for them because God's going to change your heart and God's going to hopefully change them as well. So I want to talk a little bit, little bit about Mother's Day just because of the special day that we are. But I also want to talk about the power of forgiveness and the power that it has to change our lives. So Mother's Day, <coughs> excuse me, Mother's Day was first started by Anna Jarvis back in 1907 on the 12th of May. And her mother was a woman who organised women's groups to promote friendship and health. And of course, this was back in Philadelphia. And she held a memorial service on the 12th of May. And that made such an impact that within five years, it had been adopted by pretty much all the other states in the United States. And in 1914, President Wilson actually made it a national day. How cool is that? Starting by one woman. And of course, the tradition back then was to wear a white carnation in honour of your mother. And then that, the custom has now evolved in the States to a red carnation 
if your mum is still alive and a white carnation if she's not. And of course, in Australia, the Mother's Day flower is the chrysanthemum. Now, who'd like to spell it? Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but we know that there are complexities with Mother's Day. And wouldn't it be great if we could all have a wonderful Mother's Day? That's mothers, kids, grandparents, siblings, etc., etc. But sometimes there are complexities around it. And so I thought I'd read a poem um, by Amy Young called The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. And when I read it, whilst, yes, it's predominantly, it is about mothers, but there are aspects of this that impact on so many other people. Apart from the physicality of carrying and birthing a child that is unique only to the mother, all these things that are going to be hit in this poem, they impact dads, grandparents, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, blended families, extended families. But we're focusing on mothers. But keep that in the back of your mind. It's like it's not just an isolated incident. It's interconnected. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions or running away, we mourn with you. To those who experience to those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster mums, mentor mums, spiritual mums, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you in these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests this upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with, you, with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day... We walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. And we remember you.
You see, family is the way we're designed to be, connected with other people who love, care, nurture, respect, honour, watch over. And our parents are there as we're kids, hovering, <laughs> really watching over you as they teach and grow you. And as that journey continues through adolescence, the fun days of adolescence into adulthood, that parenting changes along the way. And, you know, as parents, if you can get it mostly right most of the time, I think you're winning. And all the parents said, exactly. <laughs> We're not perfect. And it's great how a relationship changes going from a director to an overseer to a coach to cheer squad. However, sometimes it's not always smooth and there are pitfalls along the way. And sometimes we fumble it. And it's, if I say it's nobody's fault, I mean, obviously everyone contributes to it, but it's unexpected and not planned and not intentional. But it still ruptures relationship. But the power of forgiveness restores. So what I want to do is look at Ezekiel. It's a funny text for Mother's Day. You probably thought you were going to get Proverbs 31 or maybe the Corinthians or, you know, some, some, some nice easy text. <laughs> but I want to go right into uh, Ezekiel 34 verse, uh, sorry, yes, 36, 24 to 30. And it says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Now, obviously, this is an explanation. There's a text. It was historical. This is what happened. And yes, it's in the Old Testament. You might think, well, what's that got to do with us? I want us to go on a bit of a journey here and actually look at it through the eyes of a 21st century Christ-driven, Christ-serving person. So when we start talking, so the first part, first point I want to make is that God will bring us out of where we are or where we're hiding and he'll clean us up. Whoever's hidden from God. Only three of us. Okay, rest of you, you know, <laughs> yeah, put your hand up on the inside. I know, I know. <laughs> so, you know, God, God says, 
And so what I want to predicate all of this on is, you know, like I'm going to sort of like talk about forgiveness, but I want to predicate that on this is once you've given your heart to Jesus and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because what I'm going to say to you, if you don't have Jesus at the center of your heart, it's going to be a real struggle. It can be a struggle even when Jesus is at the center of your heart. But all of this is for believers, for those who have that ongoing relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that relationship, then I invite you to consider that God wants to take that first place among us. He cleans us up. He takes us out of wherever we've been. You know, the text talked about nations and so on. He takes us out from wherever we've been and drops off all of those customs that we've hung on to, the way of life that we've been doing, that we've been living. And he says, I will take away your idols. Now, when we're talking about idols here, we're not just talking about those images, those things that, you know, you bow down to, but also consider some of the other idols in your life. You know, it could be sport. It could be job. It could be spouse. could be, what else have I put here? Shopping. <laughs> Food binge watching. Now, these things are not necessarily evil in themselves, but if they take you away from pursuing God, if they cause you to put that first and not God first, then that could be considered an idol because that's where your heart is. That's where you want to be. That's that's your happy place. <laughs> and it's okay to be happy in those places, but number one we need to be with Jesus. And Jesus needs to be our happy place. Jesus needs to be that place where we're safe, where we're truly transparent and where we allow him to touch our hearts and soften our hearts and cleanse our hearts. And the text says that he'll take that away from us. <clears throat> so as we submit to God, as we turn ourselves over to God, he will clean us up He'll take us from where we were. He'll drop off those idols. The thing about that, it doesn't happen from God. We have to ask him. We have to surrender. He can't make you do something you don't want to do. You have to be willing for it to happen. You have to give it over. And God comes in and he takes it. Now, how many of us have gone back and tried to take it back? Don't put your hand up. And I can see it on the inside. <clears throat> but we do. We do. Well, I have. And so you have to come back and do it again and again until it becomes your new normal, your default nature, that redeemed nature. <clears throat> so the second point I want to make is that he will take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I love that. So obviously, it's not like a physical stone heart. Obviously, it's a bit of imagery going on. But what actually is a stone heart? Well, I think what, what the writer is talking about is, is that heart that's grown cold, that heart that has just stopped pulsating, that it's no longer doing what God created it to do. It's been hardened and it's become like stone. How does that happen? How does that happen? We're not born with that. 
it's not something we pray for. Oh, God, give me a heart of stone. No, it just happens. And I believe that's through hurt. Thank you. I believe that's through hurt and not being able to resolve that hurt. Hey, everybody gets hurt, right? Everybody. I mean, every day something's going to happen that it's sort of just, oh, yeah, that's not good. And we have a choice over what we're going to do with that. Are we going to let it sit there and fester? Or are we going to forgive and let go? We say forgive and forget. Oh, well, I've forgiven, but I haven't forgotten. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> have fun with that. You know, I'll just come to that. You can forgive and not forget, but you forget the pain. And it's no longer a weeping wound. It's just a scar. It's a battle scar that we should actually be proud of. You know, God delivered me from this. God healed me from that. Oh, I had such a broken heart, but God put it back together. You know, because that's what he does. So, you know, forgiveness, we actually, hard word for Christians, we are required to forgive. Doesn't that suck? Probably shouldn't say that, but oops, it's already out. We are required to forgive because in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, God says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. So I think unforgiveness is the beginning of a cooling heart. You don't go from hot to stone in one step. It takes time. So you get hurt, you forgive, you move on. It's all good. Or you get hurt, you stay hurt, you don't forgive, the other person moves on. Because they do. And you're still trapped here. Sorry, when I say you, I'm not meaning you, I'm meaning me. <laughs> and, you know, us, we. <laughs> That's what happens. We stay locked in hurt, which festers, goes cold. And if you don't resolve that, if you don't forgive, it can turn to anger. Have you ever felt, none of you would have experienced this because, you know, holy. But if you don't forgive, then the next time you see that person or the next time you think about that person and what that person did to you or how unfair it was, and it may well have been unfair, you get angry. You get angry. And who knows that that's pretty awful for you. Your heart starts racing. That can't be good for you. Probably get a headache. You know, those awful headaches. You don't sleep at night. Well, maybe you're fine with it. But, you know, it turns to anger. And if that doesn't get resolved... It turns to bitterness. And if that doesn't get resolved, it can turn to hatred. And you've got this section of stone starting in your heart. And then you get hurt again. And you've got a choice. Forgive and move on. Don't forgive. Other person moves on. You fester. Anger. Bitterness. Hatred another bit of stone in your heart, and so on. 
Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22 says, And Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So how do you forgive 70 times seven? Trust me, if you're counting those times, you're not living in grace, you're living by law. Well, there's number one. Oh, got to do it again. There's number two. Okay, 400 and how many to go? I, did, I actually did it on my calculator yesterday. Uh, 488 times to go. You know, so if you're doing that, you're not operating in grace. And I think that there's an elasticity on exactly how many times you have to forgive. Basically, it becomes your pattern. It becomes your default nature. So that when you are actually working with this issue that I just can't get past, it was so wrong what happened. And it probably was. But as the Christian, Jesus says, forgive. Because if you don't, I can't forgive you. Not I won't, I can't. So here's something that I've learnt and I'll pass it on for whatever it's worth. When I've struggled to forgive someone, and that's happened on a couple of occasions, I've come back to the Word. I've come back to my quiet time. And you know, when that, oh, that, that frustration, dare I say anger, starts to rise, I realise I haven't actually forgiven. And I mean, I know I've done this a few times now, but Father, I'm going to bring X, Y, Z to you. That's the name of the person. And I'm going to forgive that person for ABC, whatever they did, or what you thought they did. And I release them now from my judgment. And how many times do you have to do that until you don't have to do it anymore? <laughs> you know, it's okay. We're on a journey. It doesn't mean you failed if you, oh gosh, I've got to forgive that person again. This is part of healing. This is part of a soft heart that is yearning to be touched by the Spirit of God. So, yes, I do have a few minutes. What I wanted to do, and I'll grab my chair was show you something. So I've got a little embarrassing story to tell you. Who loves embarrassing stories? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so last year, um, I got very good at playing a particular game on my iPad. And it was about noticing objects. And you started off with a few, but you, the more you noticed, the less time you had to find them. And then if you didn't find them all in time, you lost a life. So I was flying at it and I was never losing lives, which meant I had to keep playing. And, and, and I ended up getting RSI in my elbow. <laughs> now, who's, who knows that RSI in your elbow can be really debilitating? It's really awful. It's like someone's taken a hammer and gone whack. And so then to avoid the pain, because I was having to use my computer every day, so to avoid the pain, I started using my left arm. So it's pretty awful. I had no arms. I was pretty harmless. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Um, so I had to go to the physio. And I love my physio. He's wonderful, but he can be a bit mean. And he said, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, average time of healing is about six months. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I've never been average in anything in my life. A <laughs> couple of months. Took nine months for both elbows to heal, which meant work was painful. Everything I did was painful. I couldn't clap 
You've heard me clapping. It's like, you know, yeah, no, I couldn't do that. Couldn't raise my hands. Couldn't hold anything. I couldn't even walk, you know, go for my walk because you're swinging your arm. So anything where you're going to use your joint, couldn't do. It was so painful. But I had to keep doing it, right? I had to work through the pain. And so he gave me these wonderful exercises to do. I have a wheat heat. And I had to wrap that around my arm once it was warm, obviously, and sit there. And then I had my exercises to do. And there were the ones that were stretching, which was fine. They really hurt. And then there were the ones, oh gosh, what else is in my bag? And then there were the ones that I had to rebuild the strength. And he said, so I got red because apparently I'm a weakling. Nice man. Anyway, and I had to do these things where, you know, I sit there with my foot and I had to lift this up and do this. It was really, really sore. And then there were some other ones. And then you're probably wondering what my hammer's for. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer. Anyway, oops, sorry about that. Sorry. So I had to have my hammer and I had to swivel it like this. Oh, that was agonizing. It's just a hammer. But I couldn't do it like that. If you know your physics, your lever, you know, there's more pressure there. I think that's what it is. I, had, I started off doing my hammer like this. It was so painful. And as I got stronger, I was able to do it all the way through. I don't do my exercises anymore. I had to do the morning and night. And the Voltaren gel, um, give a plug for that. That's really good stuff. If it doesn't work, drink the stuff. There's alcohol. No, no, no. Um, <clears throat> so, you know. I had to do my exercises. Did it hurt? Yes. Was it essential? Yes. Because if I didn't do them, I wasn't going to stretch. I wasn't going to rebuild strength. I would walk around the door. And I bang my arm. And I'm sure way up in, in, in Kalamunda you would have heard me. Because oh! it was still really painful. It wasn't healed. Now I say that because when our heart is hurt... We have to do our exercises. We have to do that stretching. And that's reading the word. And that's praying. And that's worship. We have to do the strength building as well. And that's making ourselves forgive. Actively acting it out. And you do it through the pain. And that pain lessens as you get stronger, as healing comes. So I just want to quickly whip through these last couple of points. He will lead us in his ways and cause us to follow his teaching. When your heart is one of flesh and beating in time with Father, he will lead us in his ways. It'll be natural because we're in tune with him. We're doing all those things that we are required to do. Loving one another. Serving one another. Not speaking badly of each other. Blessing each other. We walk in his ways. And my last point, that was a quick one, wasn't it? And my last point, he will bless us. So the bit that talks about God giving us grain and uh, causing our fruit trees to blossom, all of that, that's actually a picture of God blessing us and of prosperity. Now I'm not going to get into, you know, draw the spot in your garage where the 
yellow Maserati's going to be. That's not what I'm talking about with prosperity. And those in the 80s know what I'm talking about. That's not. But God wants us to be blessed. Now, on the flip side, if that hasn't happened, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. There are seasons. And that's another day. (laughs) But here's the thing. As we reach out to him, he runs to us and we recognize that he is blessing us and he is wooing us to give everything to him. You know, forgiveness is really hard sometimes. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. Sometimes our self-righteousness gets in the way. Sometimes our selfishness gets in the way. But in the end, the only way is to surrender to God. You see, the power of forgiveness breaks down the cycle of broken relationships and draws us to others and connects us to community. So some of us might struggle with relationships because of the hurt that's been inflicted that hasn't necessarily been completely resolved. And so this morning, let's take some time to sit and consider this. And as the worship team comes up and leads us, let's reflect. Let's examine our hearts. How's yours? Fully flesh? Bit of cold? few flecks of stone maybe there's more than a few flecks are you ready this morning to let God do something about that you know sometimes it might mean more than a silent prayer sometimes it's good to have a warrior stand beside you and walk with you and if you feel that you would like someone to do that then we'd love to pray with you. Leadership team would love to, maybe if you come down the front or sit on the front row, if you're there, they'll come pray with you. And sometimes it actually might need more than prayer. And prayer's a good place to start. You might need, we might need, some professional help. And we'd love to help you access that. But one thing's for sure. Our lives count The fact that we're here is because God designed us for today. He's put purpose on our lives. There's a plan and a purpose for each one. It's to give us a future and a hope and not cause harm. It's to to cause us to prosper so that we can bless others, yeah? So... As we pray, as we worship, I invite you to come up and let's just see what God does. But don't leave here today if you need to resolve something. Thanks.